This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Pepsi, DoorDash, and BetOnline.ag. My name's Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at OvertimeIreland. As always, joined by Sean Siegel, and in just a short moment, we'll be joined by Mike Randall of the Rotoviz Mailbag Podcast with his clip for this week for some of our rest of season thoughts on uh, a couple of players. But Sean, are you ready for Week Four action? I am. We get now the Kansas City Chiefs against the New England Patriots, another potential AFC championship game preview. The Chiefs, after some struggles against the Chargers, demonstrated that they may have been holding back a little bit in reserve in terms of play calling for that vaunted Baltimore Ravens defense, like they did a season ago when they scored 27 unanswered points in beating the Ravens in 2019. The Chiefs really control this game from the very beginning to the very end. Whereas the Patriots had an interesting game on Sunday as well. Rex Burkhead coming out of the wilderness and acting like Superman. In fact, as we were watching the Chiefs on Monday night, I kept thinking to myself, Clyde Edwards-Alaire looks like a poor man's Rex Burkhead, which perhaps not what you're (laughs) hoping to think of the number 32 overall pick. But the Patriots now, they've had a huge game from Julian Edelman. They've had a lot of explosive plays from their running backs. One of the strange things about their week three performance is that Sony Michelle showed the most explosiveness he has in his entire career, breaking off multiple 30 yard runs. And yet he was replaced for large stretches by uh, rookie JJ Taylor. And then clearly Rex Burkhead got a lot of the very high value touches. Some of this happening directly related to James White's absence in the very sad situation uh, where his parents were in uh, the automobile accident white will eventually be back damian harris probably also eventually back at which point we have again a, a very complicated patriots backfield column blair and i as the listeners know took an extreme zero running back uh, draft this year for our main event we have a lot of those guys that we discussed on tuesday's podcast who were in the top 10 there at the wide receiver position but we also have a very sort of bizarre running back depth chart where we got huge points from Hines in week one not as many in week two uh, this past week we got 20 plus points from jeffrey wilson who is always a great play when the starters are out there in san francisco but we had burkhead's 30 plus points on the bench is Burkhead going to be somebody who has a role with the Patriots going forward? And, and how would you play this uh, if you're looking to try and maximize the potential from this backfield that at this point appears very talented, but very deep in, in a situation where Cam Newton is going to probably create some opportunities for the ball carriers, but perhaps vulture quite a few touchdowns as well. 
Yeah, I think he will will vulture quite a few of those touchdowns. And you know, you, you mentioned Burkhead. Uh, you know, since his days in Cincinnati, he was always somebody that I was hoping uh, would have that consistent opportunity. And when he went to the Patriots, I thought, oh yeah, here we go. And it's just I've been on that train so many times. And with New England running backs, it just tends to to change like the wind. So um, if you have him on your rosters, I'd be I'd be trying to use him, but I wouldn't be expecting this to be a consistent week in week out thing. And some of that's probably. Uh, I don't want to get you know sucked in again. Uh, most of it's probably that we've seen this with the the Patriots, and you mentioned Sonny Michelle. Just so many things that uh, go week to week, and then we've seen it with uh, running backs associated with Cam Newton. That when they get inside, particularly inside the ten yard line, he is the the lead running back for the offense. So we'll see that moving forward as well. It was an, an interesting game from the Patriots. Um, just lots of lots of strange things happening and um, lot, lots of interesting action, I guess we'll, we'll call it in that game. Um, you know, I, th- I think the Patriots are a lot better than people probably thought they were going to be this year. And I think it's a, an interesting offense to watch. Um, but uh, interesting you mentioned there as well, Jeff Wilson. He he does tend to, to get those good points. And uh, we had him on a, a couple of other lineups as well this past week so uh th- thanks to him for for those nice points that uh, we got onto those rosters but uh, on today's show we're going to be looking um with uh, mike randall on a couple of players here he's going to jump in uh, and give his thoughts on and ask us for our thoughts and then we'll be back uh, on the other side of the clip to to break down our responses to them so uh, take it away mike Hey guys, I think we need to talk about Jacksonville running back James Robinson just a bit. The undrafted rookie out of Illinois State, he's been quietly producing as a top 20 fantasy running back and no one seems to care. There's always something that hides Robinson's production and keeps him somewhat under the weekly fantasy limelight. Like on Thursday Night Football, the Jaguars were blown out 31-13 at home to the Dolphins, but all Robinson did was post six receptions, 129 total yards, and two touchdowns. The week before, he posted the overall PPR RB9 performance, but it was all about Gardner Minshew's 339-yard passing performance. On the season, Robinson has 10 receptions, 3 touchdowns, and is the clear lead back in Jacksonville. His pass-catching ability has limited the impact of Chris Thompson, who many of us thought would garner a larger share of the work due to his relationship with offensive coordinator Jay Gruden. But Robinson is now the team's clear RB1 in a season where many backfields are a committee. Best part, look at his upcoming schedule, Cincinnati, Houston, and Detroit before Jacksonville's Week 7 bye. He's demonstrated such strong pass-catching ability that I'm not even afraid of the later-round matchups he has at Minnesota, home versus Tennessee, at Baltimore, and home to Chicago during that critical fantasy football playoff run. I get it. He's an undrafted free agent on Jacksonville, but if you lost Barkley, McCaffrey, or even Chris Carson now for the near future, try and target James Robinson before your league mates realize that a very traditional name is set up to turn in big weekly fantasy performances moving forward. James Robinson has been extremely impressive, even for those of us who were believers to start with, right? We talked about in the final zero running back update, the zero running back candidates list for 2020, that Robinson had scored the same in our running back prospect lab as Clyde Edwards Alaire. Now, that's the pre draft version of the model obviously with edwards o'leary going in the first round and robinson being undrafted you have a very large gap in terms of what the expectation would be there you know once we know the draft positions but this has been one of those sort of unlikely scenarios in which the team selected someone who is a big talent immediately uh, made the moves to get that guy into the lineup right jettisoning leonard fournette 
Robinson looks much, much better than their previous workhorse, has that lateral agility and then explosives. One of the things that was very encouraging for Robinson owners on Thursday night was his ability in the receiving game. When you have those big body backs who can yet catch the ball, get going again, then we're starting to think in terms of peak David Johnson, in terms of Le'Veon Bell. Now, we're still a ways from saying that Robinson would be one of those types of guys, but given his extraordinary production in college, given his impressive athletic ability, and given what the Jaguars immediately seemed to think of him, and now his early results, I think we have to start moving a little bit more in that type of direction, giving him credit for being one of these undrafted guys who really could be something. Now, we talked in the show last week about where we would draft him in rookie drafts if we did him. If we selected them now, you were urging a little bit of caution. Where are you at this point, Column? now that we've seen him do it again, do it in an offense that really is not as favorable, I think, for the skill players as a lot of other offenses might be. Now, you know, we're believers in Gardner Minshew. We're certainly believers in Chenault. We like DJ Chark. We think this offense eventually could be something. And perhaps that's another element of this equation. The fact that the Jaguars are going to grow and be even better. And so while Robinson is not going to score a couple of touchdowns every week. Maybe his floor is a little bit higher simply because this team is an improving team. So I guess the question I would have as I throw it back to you is we talked about on Tuesday, the very disappointing early results for JK Dobbins, Deandre Swift, Cam Akers. If you could go back and, or you're just in a situation where you need to make a trade now, would you trade any of those three guys for Robinson? No, it's a good it's a very good question i i i think even compared to when we talked last week you know you mentioned about the the prospect profile of robinson uh, what we thought coming in you know to week one when we thought he had the role versus then what we thought in week two like last week was a, a huge jump forward in terms of the actual full workload that he got and how he was able to work with it he got those high value touches obviously in the red zone he got the passing work as well and I just was a little bit apprehensive that he would get as much work as he had in such a such a you know a short period of time. You know, Chris Thompson's there. We had talked about the possibility of him being the pass catching back on third downs and things like that. But it just looks to be at the moment that it's just going to be the James Robinson show in that backfield, and uh, I would definitely be bumping him up quite considerably. Um, but still, I think in terms of long term values those other guys probably are still the way to to play it based on how explosive those other offenses could be but it's getting very very close and would you be making that move would you be would you be switching it already i I think i would just be still a little bit apprehensive but um based on based on the value you would have paid for those guys but it might be the time to to move out i would be trying to make the move right and i think in this situation you have to still uh attempt to get more back so if you're going to move one of those three players for Robinson, then the different trade uh, offers you have to make include other pieces. So getting back a secondary guy, getting back some future draft picks, uh, maybe as part of a two for two or three for three trade where you can sort of camouflage your interest in Robinson and you get the better sort of headlining piece. And then those running backs 
are kind of balancing it out, but really the balance is that you also actually wanted Robinson more than the player you're giving up. When you go through and you check out your leagues to this point, then figure out who the, the leader is, see if they have Robinson. I'm willing to bet that he is on a huge chunk of the teams who are leading right now because he has just been so impressive, right? And right now we're in a scenario where only Alvin Kamara has created more fantasy points over expectation at the running back position than Robinson. Now, on the one hand, that's a little bit of a red flag, right? He's not going to outperform like that the whole way. On the other hand, we're seeing explosiveness we're seeing playmaking ability like we have for those top guys right i mean what's the leaderboard for that stat we have alvin kamara number one we have james robinson number two raheem Mostert with those multiple 80 yard touchdowns number three dalvin cook four nick chubb five so i mean that's really a who's who of the guys you would expect to be better than their opportunity simply because they're such huge talents now Again, I mean, just on three games, are we willing to say that Robinson joins that category? No. But when we compare him to other players who don't have an NFL track record and are going through some real struggles of their own, then I think he becomes very compelling. And if for no other reason, that there are only a handful of backfields in the NFL in 2020 that actually are led by just one guy. I mean, you, you think of some of these other committees, even a situation like Kenyon Drake, a borderline first round pick number one not playing particularly well and number two losing some important high value touches to chase Edmonds there so right now if you're going to go rest of season rankings for the running back position I mean you'd be tempted to put Robinson ahead of a guy who was picked at the edge of the first round and so again I Anytime you have an undrafted guy who has played three NFL games, you have to take the performance with a large grain of salt. But there are so many things now pointing in a very, very favorable direction on Robinson. Thanks to the lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Professional Football Watchers. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. I've mentioned this on the last couple of shows. I enjoy a nice cold Pepsi. My trick is to take it directly from the freezer. Put it in the freezer for 20 to 30 minutes uh, and then open it uh, if you have extra ice. Crushed ice, nice way to go, but uh, it'd be ice cold coming out of the can. I like to, to pour it straight into the glass and sit down and watch the games as they progress. Usually two or three while the, the games progress on a Sunday afternoon. Pepsi is the the refreshment you need to power through any game day and i can agree with that because pepsi isn't made for those who play the game it's made for those who watch it pepsi made for watching football i also want to let you know about our partners over at doordash you've counted on restaurants now they are counting on you and while dining rooms may be closed they're still open for delivery with doordash doordash is the app that brings you food you're craving right to your door ordering is easy open the doordash app choose what you want to eat and your food will be left safely outside your door with our new contactless drop-off setting choose from your favorite national restaurants like chipotle wendy's or the cheesecake factory Many of your local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app and select your favorite local spot and your food is on its way. 
And right now, as a loyal podcast listener, you can get 5% off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees off your first order. Simply download the app from the App Store and enter the code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget the code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. What's up, listeners? This is Curtis Patrick. I just wanted to stop by and say thank you for supporting Rotoviz Radio. You are the absolute best audience in the business, and I know it. As a special thank you, I'm offering 10% off your next Rotoviz subscription. Just use code 2020RVRADIO at checkout. That's right. Go to rotoviz.com, click subscribe, and enter code 2020RVRADIO at checkout for 10% off. You can even extend your subscription. Oh, and one more thing. If you haven't ever done it, please rate and review the podcast you're listening to right now on Apple Podcasts. It's really easy. It only takes like 10, 15 seconds. Just do it. We'd love to hear your feedback. Now, back to the show. I want to get your thoughts on the Giants' offensive playmakers. Now, in fantasy football, we always want to zig where everyone else zags. And we at Rotoviz have laughed in the face of those who said zero RB wasn't possible and have enjoyed a strong start to the season across the board. But the biggest overreaction, I think, from week three comes from the Giants' offense. When we were analyzing the Giants' schedule in the preseason, we all noted the early season challenges. They opened up against the Steelers at Chicago and against the defending NFC champion San Francisco 49ers. Now, after losing all of those games and losing their all-world running back Saquon Barkley, as well as a solid wide receiver three in Sterling Shepard, everyone is now off the Giants' offense. What's wrong with the Giants' offense? When will Jason Garrett be fired? Is Daniel Jones the answer? What? The Barkley injury and Shepard trip to the IR will actually help us project this weekly target share moving forward. Daniel Jones has struggled, sure, but this is a QB who twice gave us the overall weekly QB1 game last year, along with an overall QB2 and QB3 performance. And wide receiver Darius Slayton has simply enjoyed a wildly effective start to his NFL career. He had 10 receiving touchdowns entering last week in just 16 career games. Using the road of his screener, the only wide receivers with an equal or better TD rate in their first 16 games since 2000 are Odell Beckham, Marcus Colston, and Martavius Bryant. Pretty strong company. For the Giants, add in that strong career PPR magnet Golden Tate and the uber-athletic tight end Evan Ingram, and I think better days are ahead for this offense. Oh, and this week four game at the Rams is going to provide yet another buy low opportunity as Jalen Ramsey and company are going to limit performance before the schedule opens up for the Giants at Dallas, Washington, and Philadelphia twice over the next six weeks. Those games are going to give the Giants passing game a chance to shine. Now I'm taking advantage of this clear buy low opportunity, try to trade for Slayton and Ingram, as well as seeking Tate on the waiver wire. And I'm going to keep an eye on Jones as a great mid to late season streaming matchup at that signal caller position. Let me know your thoughts, guys. Am I missing the mark here on the Giants? So the Giants offense, obviously there's a lot of switches up uh, in terms of who is the personnel. Uh, a couple of pieces we still obviously like in it, but there's a, a lot of question marks around it in general. Um, obviously Saquon's out um, for the rest of the season. Um, just so many different parts moving around here. Um, in terms of the Giants offense, rest of the season, is it something that is a buy low or is it something that it's uh, a just avoid at this point? I think Slayton's the one that uh, has my interest in a, lot, in a lot of ways. I'm wondering if you think maybe in super flex formats of Daniel Jones is a potential buy low. Like we've seen him put up those big games where he's had a, a couple of games where he's been, you know, QB one of the week and then we see a lot of duds sprinkled in between. What's your thoughts on the Giants uh, offense and what, what are you talking about? targeting in it if you if you can get those deals done 
Well, Mike mentions the loss of Saquon Barkley, and I think the disconcerting thing for fantasy owners is just the way in which his presence opened things up for the rest of the team, or at least that would make sense, right? And what we've seen so far from the Giants without him in 2020 is a real concern because Daniel Jones has not looked particularly good, and some of these other guys we were hoping to take the next step have not really done that. Now, Darius Slayton, a guy I absolutely love. He had the huge game against the Steelers. I think there are going to be more games like that. It's a little bit frustrating that he's only caught 12 of his 22 targets. It's frustrating that he hasn't been quite as involved in week two and week three as we would like. But the big performances from him are coming. And especially if you're a dynasty owner, if you can take advantage of this downturn from the Giants to grab him and then maybe you have to be a little bit patient then I think that's still a no-brainer perhaps we can buy a little bit low on Darius Slayton the question that I would have is what do we do now with Evan Ingram right we know Golden Tate is an underneath threat he's going to catch those passes barely across the line of scrimmage every once in a while he'll run away from a couple of tackles he'll look all right Sterling Shepard you know, the injury issues there now make that a little bit tricky. But Evan Ingram is someone who looked really good in terms of his performance when healthy the last couple of years. Good numbers in terms of points per game, a very optimistic outlook in the range of outcomes tool in terms of what his comps did going forward a young guy with athleticism. And really the main thing that you're looking at there is can he stay healthy? But now in these first three weeks of the season, he's been very, very disappointing, has only caught 11 of his 20 targets. And that's despite the fact that he's only being targeted five and a half yards downfield, right? So he doesn't go deep. He can't catch the underneath passes. Jones does not look like he's in rhythm when he's targeting Ingram. There is no rapport there right now. There's no explosiveness. And I do think that Ingram is a buy low. I think that we do want to have uh, some exposure to an offense that can only really go up from here. But when we're talking about ceiling outcomes for someone who appears to be such a great talent like Evan Ingram, I think we have to be a little bit worried about how they've looked recently. Yeah, they, ha- they haven't looked good. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to make it sound terrible, but we'll just be nice to them. They ha- they haven't looked good. I think we'll we'll settle for that, Sean. But uh, could be an interesting buy low. As we're going to try and do on the second uh, show, on the second half of the second show each week, we're going to try and look a little bit about some recommendations. We had uh, opened up kind of the mailbox last week for uh, listener suggestions, listener feedback, and what what topics to talk about. What what uh, maybe recommendations you have for us as well as we talk through those so sean had a, a tv recommendation of the week this week is dutchland 83 uh, and the book was we are completely beside ourselves by karen joy fowler um the the listeners then got on board sean and they were sending in some of our thoughts and some of our topics and some of them were just uh you know about you know tv shows that they thought we should watch or topics that they wanted us to discuss and i, I wanted to just point out one of the ones i find was very interesting uh, and it's from i i'll probably make a mess of your last name fernando i apologize for that but uh fernando callas uh, and he he messaged on sunday morning just shortly before the games kicked off and it was cheers from sunny spain uh or sunny madrid spain and i thought it was interesting that i'm in ireland uh, doing the podcast with sean who's in the u.s and we're being uh, listened to 
by uh, the international audience uh, in Madrid, Spain. So it always amazes me, Sean, the reach of you know the doing a podcast and where people listen to it and where they, uh, why they listen and how they listen. Some people go into work, some people while doing their their garden work, you know, things like that. It, it's always fun to hear those stories. But uh, a fun a fun one coming in that was based on, on Josh Jacobs uh, and how the. The deals went there, but he also talked about uh, having Alvin Kamara as his other running back. So I'm pretty sure Sunday went nicely uh, there for Fernando. But Sean, the international listeners, uh, I would be urging them to get in touch to, to represent everyone on this side of the Atlantic. But always fun to hear from from folks abroad. It definitely is, and and Colm, I'm I'm counting on you to bring in uh, this European <laughs> audience. I mean, we have Ireland, uh, we have Spain. It's it's very exciting. Here, my recommendation for this week was Deutschland '83, which is just an uh, astonishingly good show, both in terms of the characters, but in terms of the excitement. You have this uh, East German spy uh, trying to infiltrate uh, the West German side. 1983, you have some big nuclear proliferation kinds of things going on, trying to avert a nuclear war here. You get the perspective from the East German side, which I think added this really unique flavor to the show. I enjoy a lot of the different international shows. I think that learning history from some other places is very, very valuable. If you can do it in a show that is also just extremely tense and exciting, I mean, I think that's the way to to learn or experience or just have fun with. I mean, not all the history necessarily is going to be accurate every time, but shows like this, obviously a lot of fun. So, you know, Fernando, I I would love to get some of his ideas on uh, what we should be watching in terms of, of Spanish TV, obviously money heist, the massive Netflix hit right now. Um, I don't think that's the actual title of it when they show it in Spain there, but he recommends the TV show Rectify. Uh, Colin, have you watched this? I've actually watched the first season. The first season was absolutely fantastic. Uh, This one a little bit slower, but yet once you get into it, the intensity and sort of the slow burn, it always kind of cracks me up when Netflix has the little... uh, (laughs) just tags up there on the screen and one of the the little labels they like to give the shows are slow burn and and in many cases i think slow burn <laughs> is code for boring but rectify here a really incredible character study i got slowed down lost a little bit at the beginning of, of season two i'm gonna have to to jump back in there uh, have you tried this one or have you tried uh, the other recommendation he has here with the abc murders I haven't watched either of them. I, I don't have Amazon Prime at the moment, and I'm very tempted to 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 get it based on the recommendation. I like the the sound of the ABC murders. This one actually, these two come in from from Salvador uh, with this here one. I, I forgot to add the name to the show sheet, so uh, I, I I I went back on to Gmail to to find it out to make sure that we we got that in there. But um, I haven't seen Rectify. But when you mentioned about slow burners, I always think that it just kind of means that you need to pay attention for the first five to eight episodes. And if you don't, you'll never know what's happening in the show. And if you do pay attention, it could be a, a great one to watch. But uh, I've actually been, uh, you know, doing, you know, going on and, and going on Google and been like, you know, best shows to watch on Netflix over the last couple of weeks because I've kind of, I've, I've watched through everything that I had, had intended to watch through. So I think Rectify could be one that uh, before we before we get to next week's show, I could have uh, started to dive in. Um, obviously, coming in from Salvador's recommendation, Sean, but is that one that, that you'd recommend to, to dive into as well? I would. The uh, the first se- season especially, I can vouch for that 
just absolutely fantastic in terms of the development of the storyline through uh, each episode there. Again, it's it's a little bit more of a, a character study, a person who has been uh, falsely imprisoned, possibly, and then the damage that sort of flows from that, both to him, the community, his family, all of that kind of thing. And it's dealt with in a way that you don't necessarily often see a, a very intense and, and well-portrayed show there. So we appreciate that recommendation. That's exactly along the lines of the things that we're looking for. I could have easily not seen that. And the recommendation here reminds me to go back and catch up on some of these other seasons that we haven't had. Uh, we appreciate the listeners and everyone chiming in with these ideas, fantasy ideas. Don't hesitate to, to come in uh, with a take saying that my different rankings, I like to do the rankings throughout the year because it forces me to continue to evaluate the different players against each other to give potential trade recommendations and we always try and incorporate the advanced stats and the predictive stats from our tools into these rankings to let people get a sense of how we're coming up with the rankings not just throwing player names out there so uh, those are always fun exercises and certainly we want the, the listeners to feel like they can chime in and give their own uh, disagreements or their own rankings if they have an idea on, on some of these guys that we're looking at here. Uh, come in with different trades that you've had and, and trade strategies that you've taken. Uh, let us know how your teams are doing. Yeah, it's good. It'll be good to get that interaction going. And people might think that this is uh, part of a, a sponsorship deal or something in terms of the show I'm going to recommend, uh, but it isn't. But if you, at the start of the show, you'll have heard Greg Olson uh, talking about his show, TE1. Um, and I, I've been listening to that. I'm a little bit biased towards tight ends. That was where uh, I played my American football time. But uh, I, I have to say that listening to his series of, uh, I think it's eight interviews he's up so far. Um, you know, I, I listened to the one with George Kittle. I really actually enjoyed the one with uh, Tony Gonzalez, um, somebody who obviously is a, a media personality in themselves, but just some of the stories. It's not really your your kind of run of the mill, you know, talk that you hear on sports shows. It's a little bit more uh, information behind the scenes and how how they felt developing their career. So I would recommend that to anyone looking for non Rotoviz podcast. And obviously, I would be recommending to check out all our shows here as well on the Rotoviz network. But uh, that's one that I really have enjoyed. But if you have any recommendations. Uh, books podcast tv related activity related or even trades that you're interested in some thoughts you can send them over to rotovizradio at gmail.com or you can send them my way on twitter over to Ireland uh, is the twitter handle but that's going to do it for today's edition of the show we'll be back next week with two more shows we had our Tuesday or tuesday show as well so if you haven't listened to that yet head on back and listen to it make sure you're subscribed to the rotoviz overtime feed and of course um keep spreading the word of the, the podcast drop us a written and review and until we're back with next week's show have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. The wait is finally over and football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still bet on all the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can still get in on their season opening bonuses today and start wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. 
Head to bet online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Once again, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.